the digital transition. Digital Transition, a podcast series created to assist those tasked with implementing digital strategies, where we will share our knowledge and experiences to support you in your transition. Welcome to the Digital Transition, podcast number 20. I'm your host, Nathan Hildebrandt, and today we're looking to close out the first series of the Digital Transition. We're going to review all the episodes and the, and the guests that I had with me to go through all the various topics, but also specifically cover I guess what BIM means to each of them and I guess that kind of tells a story I guess as to how this whole uh, podcast series kind of originated and where people are coming from. It's been an exciting 10 months uh, process delivering uh, this podcast series for you. It's uh, had its ups and downs with uh, a change in uh, in career or role specifically for myself in terms of moving on after spending 16 and a half years at Fulton Trotter and then also getting a bit sick later in the end of the year, which forced a few gaps between the podcast release. But from my perspective, I've seen the content and the conversations I've been able to have with my guests as being rather valuable, and hopefully they have been valuable for you too. So let's move on and, and start going through each of the episodes. I talked to Andrew Kerthois from the Queensland State Government about the BIM principles and their, and their policy that's currently out and uh, learn a little bit about what that was all about. So what does BIM mean to Andrew? Nathan, look, a, a great question. Um, you know, at one level it means a bloody lot of work <laughs> that I've got to do. Uh, but another thing that I'm really excited about is that it means that Queensland is leading the conversation across the nation on asset management. Queensland is leading, uh, again, uh, around the importance of um, getting the best utilisation from our assets. It will provide opportunities that I can't even dream of at the moment in the design sector. It will provide opportunities in the construction phase of a project. Then it will provide huge opportunities in the operation of the asset. So BIM will mean um, great opportunities for the future. There will be new emerging professions that will come out that we haven't even thought of. And I think one of the big prof professional opportunities here will be for a BIM auditor to actually, you know, check what is being delivered against what was proposed, okay? There will be then other opportunities that bright, um, smart, um, intellectual kids who are at going through high school or yeah, who are just starting- school. Primary <laughs> school, that's right. Or, or just starting university they will look at the digital model in a different way than you or I might, and they will get enormous benefits out of it that I can't even imagine. And they might make those benefits in five, 10 or 15 years, which I couldn't have ever foreseen. And that will be a great outcome for Queensland, and we will get much better opportunities to better manage our assets and have greater longevity of those. That'll be fantastic. Now moving on to episode three, I spoke to Colin Mann from PCSG, to discuss the work they've been doing with main roads here in Queensland and how they've gone and started their journey and assisted to, uh, main roads with their journey. Here's what BIM means to Colin. So I would 
I would answer that question. Uh, yeah, I guess to add to everything I've said so far today, I think um, I would summarize BIM though as, as client ownership of data, if I have to put it in, in one sentence of four words. I think, you know, if you're a client, it's your data. Um, so BIM for me is you deciding what it is, when you get it, and how you get it. Um, and if the way you've procured data before, the way you've received it before from your suppliers is anything other than absolutely optimal for you, then you know, BIM is your opportunity to change that. In episode four, I had the great opportunity to sit down with Richard Choi, who's the CEO of Natspec, to talk to him about the role that Natspec plays in industry in terms of not only specification, but also in terms of providing an independent advice in regards to key issues that are occurring within the construction industry. His belief of, of what BIM means to him is, is rather an insightful one in terms of uh, the way in which it can actually contribute to community. This is what BIM means to Richard. I think I alluded to social responsibility at the very start of this podcast. I believe that BIM leads to better outcomes for society. Now, that sounds weird. It's not better outcomes for society. What's that got to do with building information modelling? If you use digital technology, whether it be for vertical or horizontal assets, it means there's better planning and better use of the facilities. This is a bit like the argument of form over function or function over form. So if assets are planned and built better, then they can be utilised better, which gives value to society overall. Example. Better transport means that more people can get to work quicker, therefore they'll enjoy their jobs better, they will become more productive. Better schools, better hospitals, better homes. I believe that the advent of digital information, digital technologies, actually will lead to better social outcomes. Now moving on to episode five, I got to talk to Dr Marzia Bolpagni. Now this was one of the most popular podcasts from this series in terms of talking about LOD. It's a very controversial topic and Marcy has done a lot of work in terms of research and into the different LOD systems across the globe. Hopefully in the new year we'll see some new standards come out in Europe with response to all of the work that she's been doing in that section. And this is what BIM means to Marcia. Yeah, so this is a, a good question because as for LOD that there are, you know, a lot of uh, the acronym is uh, translating in different ways or so the level of development, level of definition, level of detail. Uh, and also for, for BIM, um, is building information model, building information modeling, building information management and, and so on. Um, so there are, there are different uh, definitions that has been provided from, uh, at international level. And also, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm assistant editor of the BIM Dictionary, so you can find the, the definition that is available in the, in the dictionary to go to BIM. For me, um, living information modeling is really a, an enabler for digital transformation. Uh, for the digital transformation that we are carrying out uh, in, in the construction sector. So this is what, what it is for me. In episode six, I got to speak to David Philp from ACOM. And uh, I spoke to him a little bit about the UK BIM mandate and, and many people believe that this has been a key driver in terms of a lot of things that are occurring over here now in Australia and I kind of personally believe that as well. Dave's response to what he, what BIM means to him was rather short. I was rather surprised considering he's quite a chatty man but uh, here's what Dave thinks BIM means to him. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it means better collaboration and better outcomes through structured data and information. In episode seven, I spoke to Rob Jackson from Bomb Brian Digital. In this podcast, I talked to him about the information management process. So for asset owners looking to specify their uh, asset information requirements for the first time, it's a good podcast to have a listen to and, and learn about the basic steps that you should take in terms of understanding the processes and how you would engage with an information manager or someone to assist you in taking that role. Now, here's what BIM means to Rob. BIM is, uh, in, in very simple terms, BIM is better information management um, and that is supported by open BIM processes. So for me, it's all, it's all about the information. It, the models is a vehicle for that, but you know, it is really about finding better ways to manage our information both through the design, the construction, and ultimately the operations phase so that everybody can deliver construction projects more efficiently, more effectively, um, so people can make more profit, and so and, but also so clients can um, see the value and the, and the benefit to their, to their asset in the long term. In episode eight, I talked to Rob Roof about the, the importance of open BIM processes. So for people that aren't familiar, I guess, with open BIM, this, was a, this is a good... Uh, podcast to have a listen to to learn a little bit more about what open bim is all about and i guess um, rob roof's interesting take on the uh, acronym of ifc of which it isn't um, the international friend club that he makes it out to be this is what bim means to rob yeah <laughs> well I, I cannot imagine a construction world without bim uh, so the demand-driven process to let everybody do their job better. And maybe in a couple of years, the term BIM will disappear. And, and then we succeeded in uh, educating the market in working in a new way. In episode nine, we take a step over to North America and we talk to James Vanderzan from HOK. Now, James has been heavily involved in, in BIM Forum's LOD development over the last few years and it was great to talk to him to get an understanding about the document and the purposes behind it because of the number of people across industry in Australia that are using this specification. Now here's James's views on what BIM means to him and I actually found this one quite interesting. His take, his take on what the acronym of BIM means is actually the most unique one that we heard throughout this whole series so make sure you hear it. BIM, for sure, I, I define it as a process, not a tool. Yep. That's right off the bat. That's what I would say. I like to think of it as better interaction methods as, a, as an alternate to the acronym um, because I think quite quite often the term BIM is too uh, is equated with software. Yep. They say, you know, where's your BIM model? <laughs> you know, and it's, well, is it a coordination model? Is it a Revit model? Is it an Archicad model? And really, we have to transcend that those those misconceptions and you know it's how our inter- industry was meant to work we, we you know we build things in three dimensions we work and live in the three-dimensional world why, why don't we design that way um so i think it's the tools themselves have a long way to go but, but i truly believe that we're on the right path um to improving our delivery methods and the results from from these efforts so I, i'm optimistic about our future in episode 10 i step out of my comfort zone <laughs> And my comfort zone, I mean, in terms of procurement. And we talked to Emma Hooper, also from Bonbrian Digital, about the new methodologies that they've been adopting in the UK in terms of procurement methodologies to try and reduce risk for clients and, and achieve greater value. This is what BIM means to Emma. 
<laughs> That's a very good question. It seems to change every day. <laughs> well, what does yeah, it mean to it, you today? <laughs> no, it, it's always, for me, it's always about information management and it's been like that for years. Um, you know, it is, it's about all information, um, but it's also about how we move to more structured digital information and how we define it, procure it, plan it, deliver and then ultimately check it you know it's all about inputs and outputs but also it's also about promoting digital literacy within construction um and i see that's kind of another one of my sort of roles and and trying to alter people's mindsets towards information and, and using technology and one of the things that kind of frustrates me at the moment is that you know in in our everyday lives we're, we're quite happy to use you know certain sort of features on online in terms of shopping so you know we'll quite happily filter and sort and search for things but when we try and apply that then to a um a construction project you know on a, a document management system people seem to go out of their minds and it's too difficult so um and yeah for me it, it's really is that sort of helping people on their journey and 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 trying to give them context and understanding of why we're doing what we're doing and why we need to change. In episode 11, I'm lucky enough to talk to Chris Lenning, who's recently retired. Uh, he spent a number of his years as a facility manager at the Sydney Opera House. And the, and the work that they've been doing at the Sydney Opera House over the last decade in terms of trying to transform it and identify uh, its, exec, its existing asset and create a digital replica of it is just amazing. So for those that haven't had a chance to have a listen to that episode yet i greatly encourage you to have a listen to it because it's very insightful to understand how you can capture an existing asset an existing complex asset whilst it's still operating and then try and gain extra value out of it whilst you're trying to maintain it this is what bim means to chris i look at the industry at the moment and it's focuses primarily on design construct side of BIM and I shake my head as to the potential of what the new field of digital engineering could provide for not only facilities managers but for the future for architects, engineers, designers, construction contractors. Yeah. A facility management team which had access to both the physical and the virtual replica of their facility, all the information and answers they need, just a mouse click or a finger touch away, it's not that far away. And as I said before, maybe it's just a generation away. So for me, BIM, also known as building information management, not modelling, would truly have come of age if you could get to that point where you could just touch on the object in the model and get all the information about it. And that to me would be the new age of digital engineering and what digital engineers could be for the future. So... Um, for me, BIM is the transition to this new world of digital engineering where information is available at the touch of a finger and it's all the information about the asset that you've designed, built and now operate. In episode 12, we delve into digital twins and Christina Savian was my guest this, this week and we talked about all of the myths behind digital twins and all of the misconceptions that are out there currently. There's a lot of people out there that are using the terminology, uh, I guess, to their own marketing requirements rather than the, the technical term that was born out of the UK and the Gemini principles. So it was a great opportunity to try and dispel those myths and a great opportunity for people, listeners that aren't aware of what a digital twin is to actually have a listen to so that you're not caught out by all the marketing hype. This is what BIM means to Christina. BIM is the process that allows us 
purchase information in a way that matters. At the moment, we create so much data that is not structured, so much data that can be reused, so much data that will save time and effort in understanding how, you know, we design and build this, you know, our health environment. And BIM is a process, like many, you know, other processes. Uh, it brings a lot of benefits. We know the benefits. We need to learn that there are like any new process there is um, uh, there are challenges and we should embrace the challenges rather than just keep saying oh we always done this way and why should we start doing things you know in a different way I think we are um, as an industry we are at a turning point it's digital transformation is happening it's um, not driven by politicians <laughs> it's driven by people it's driven by all of us uh, we can do we can implement digital uh, processes into the built environment too. And there's no reason not to. To answer your question is, it's the process that we should all follow. But it's more the meaning of the process rather than, you know, the steps and why we're doing this. Uh, it has an end. It has a very important meaning at the end. And we should, you know, think about that before we even start doing any tasks. In episode 13, I talk with Maria Chiozzi about improving collaboration with BIM and lean processes. These two kind of processes walk hand in hand in many ways and can assist in terms of improving the quality of projects that you deliver in terms of trying to save time and money. This is what BIM means to Maria. All right. This is the other spot. <laughs> no. So for me, BIM is a part of um, the digital revolution that is uh, changing the way we approach M&H projects so far. So can be used as a driver for a change. Uh, for me, the main contribution of BIM is that uh, it brought awareness of having quality of data and an efficient information management process in place. Uh, and this is can bring value in any phase of the asset, uh, in planning, in the design phases, construction phases, and especially in the um, operation and maintenance. What, uh, but what technology and innovation is actually moving very fast. It will get even very faster in a year's come. So I think that an organization to stay competitive need to have a transformation set in agenda and not a transformation on in agenda uh, and be able to embrace this is continuous change. And the change needs to be an intrinsic part of uh, this organizational culture, which is aligned with what is a and a lean organization. So the lean organization is the one that continues improving the process. In episode 14, I take a journey back over to the UK to talk to George Mokhtar from Turner and Townsend. And we talk about the idea of modern project management and the way in which project managers can embrace these digital processes and assist their clients to actually gain greater value. It's quite an insightful conversation. And for those that are on the project management side of the fence that have not undertaken any of these uh, steps yet in terms of a digital transition, it's well worth a listen. This is what BIM means to George. What does BIM mean to me? Uh, I think that's a good one, that. Um, it's no longer in my job title uh, officially, but I'm still ahead of him. Uh, you, you know, I mean, uh, I came into the industry in 2011. Um, I was very lucky. You know, it used to be a hobby of mine, and the, the government over here mandated my hobby the year I graduated, which is really good. Um, for me, it's a, it's a Trojan horse uh, behind change. So I think it's something which everyone starts thinking about and then realizes that, uh, a lot of what they do really needs a bit of a rethink. 
Uh, and there's, there's, there's some real opportunities to get the back of house in line and make some key decisions. I think, you know, BIM for me is that Trojan horse, um, which helps people digitalize what they're doing. Uh, I think, you know, the long term, it's, it's bringing together and blurring the lines between the different phases of the, of the asset life cycle. Uh, and, and actually some of the standards and some of the, the communities that have been developed around this, I think have been phenomenal. So we've got like whole social media, you know, communities which are helping us as an industry start to work together uh, and to become more aligned. I think with a new ISO standard coming out, we're seeing certainly an ability for us and, and my team to start delivering projects consistently across the world. Uh, which, you know, as, as, as the world becomes a smaller place can only, can only be a really good thing. So I think for me, you know, it's, it's all about better information management. It's all about actually taking a good hard look in the mirror and working out what you do and, and why. And then actually it's given clients and, uh, uh, contractors and engineers and, and architects and everybody else who comes into this party a, a real opportunity to make some key decisions about how they should work in the future and, you know, what sort of outputs they're looking for and how their business model operates. So I think, you know, BIM's a thread that runs through everything for me, uh, and, I, and I think it's been a real good catalyst to try and bring bring us all together as uh, professionals. In episode 15, I have a candid conversation with Don Cameron about crawling before you're walking. It's an important conversation because there are asset owners out there or people representing asset owners that are confused by all of the buzzwords and terminology, and I think that by taking a slower step or presenting information in smaller bite-sized chunks, it might actually reduce the fear of asset owners or their representatives and helping them move forward. I couldn't help it, but I also had to ask Don what BIM meant to him. And this is what BIM means to Don. Uh, BIM in short means uh, a smarter way of, of being able to take, you know, the creative minds of architects and engineers uh, and deliver assets for um, our community. So uh, to me, it's just the smart way of doing things, you know. It's just more effective management of that information. I, I, st- I still remember this this poster of, you know, you might have seen the the, the, the different views of a swing. It's a famous um, old poster of, you know, the architect's view or what it looks like and the, the structural engineer's, the client's view and, and – and what the client really wanted was, you know, just a tire hanging from some rope from a tree. So it's it's a it's a fascinating, I suppose, analogy of of our industry and how it all works. But that's why I'm a big fan of BIM. It it, it kind of really manages to get rid of quite a few of the grey areas for everyone. Um, the model, the, the ability to see it more realistically. Everyone understands three dimensions. It's a physical representation. The ability to have that information to, at, at hand to tell someone whether you know what that material is or that finishes, or the spatial information or any of that—it's it's, it's a phenomenal tool. But going back to your original point, I do think that in some ways we we're trying to run before we can walk, and that's probably as a result of this some really great people, particularly in Australia, that is driving this. And they, you know, they're very smart people, passionate and yeah. passionate, yeah. And, and and it's driving, you know, it's driving our industry, and they need to be there, help drive it. But I think we've also got to, we've got to, we've got to unpack this for for other people that are maybe not as technically involved in the stuff and, and help them understand and see the benefits of this. Uh, and, but, but I totally agree. We need to start at, at level one and, and, and get some good solid stuff happening there. And then, and then it won't be long before we'll be in level two and, and three and, and beyond. On episode 16, we focus on data security and the, and the new lessons I learned about all the different methodologies of applying security as part of your strategy when actually acquiring data or information. So we're talking to Nathan Jones. Once again, he's from Turner and Townsend over in the UK and his approach has been quite unique because he hasn't come from the construction industry. He's actually come from 
government intelligence. So he's applying a whole different level of thinking to it than we're used to in terms of the way in which people within the design and construction industries apply their thinking. So it's actually a really good insight into understanding specific methodologies and processes that we need to take care of or thoughts or had to we also have to think about as we grow the amount of digital information that we're collating. This is what BIM means to Nathan. And this is quite interesting as an outsider. Yeah, so so that's a good question. So because my background isn't um, construction or uh, focused, design focused or whatever, to me, BIM fundamentally is about the sharing of information. And I, I get really um, frustrated when organizations and suppliers trying to try to make it more complex than what it actually is. It's about agreeing a set of standards, a set of protocols, um, so that the asset owner will get the absolute most out of the entire construction process, the design, the build, the operations, and the decommissioning of that, of that asset. You know, data is everything now. Um, it's immensely powerful, and if it's used correctly, um, can make buildings much more efficient, um, whether that's from an environmental impact or whether that's from a cost impact. Uh, it informs the client of how the building uh, is going to work and how it's actually going to live and breathe. And then any um, security or any environmental concerns that need to be taken into consideration when the building is, is decommissioned. BIM to me is, is, if I was to sum it up in one word, it's, it's about collaboration. But it's understanding how BIM can support a number of other ideas, agendas, um, schemes, if you like, around smart buildings, smart cities, smart communities. Um, and I think there are absolutely some synergies between what BIM can do, what it will be able to do in the future, and how it can enhance uh, our, our built environment. In episode 17, I was fortunate enough to talk to Tim Mumford from the Victorian Government about the Victorian Digital Asset Strategy, or VDAS. It's great to see Queensland and Victoria taking a statewide approach to the way in which they handle digital information and BIM. It was good to sit down with Tim and understand how the government is looking to proceed forward down in Victoria. And uh, it's going to be good to see some more uh, documents come out of uh, government over the coming months and coming years with regards to that. And, and Tim's approach to, uh, or P- Tim's thoughts on BIM were quite interesting. I liked his analogy. So this is Tim's view on what BIM means to him. BIM to me is a campfire that we all need. It's something that we all need to huddle around. It's something that we all need to use ideally as a source of truth. And it's something that we all need to drive innovation in our sector. And I think we all owe it to ourselves and our future to step up and apply innovative processes that can benefit the end user. And I really want to stress that the end user is a future Victorian. It's our kids. It's our it's our brother's son. It's 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 everyone. It's our it's our family. How they interact with that scope is largely at our hands right now. And I see the processes that BIM and 19650 employ as very beneficial to the way that that scope in an efficient and effective manner is, is defined, developed, constructed, operated and maintained for the next 100 years.
In episode 18, we're talking with uh, Ryder Levitt Bucknell's uh, Tracy and Colleen in regards to the way in which QSs can add value uh, with using BIM processes. And I think this is quite an interesting uh, conversation to have because there's so much value in which a quality surveyor can provide to the process in terms of providing cost certainty. It just requires a little bit more conversation between uh, all of the parties and, and enabling the model to be generated, I guess, in a way by the design team in a meaningful way so that the quality surveyor can deliver that value to clients. We asked Tracy what BIM meant to her and this is her response. I see BIM for the QS as allowing us to really focus on adding value to the project, to the client as a whole, really. Moving away from your sort of traditional time spent measuring quantities and moving towards a digital extraction from the model, it really allows us to focus on interrogating the project, analysing pricing, looking at the overall scope, looking at market conditions and other influencing factors. As an aside to that, I also see them as a, in the greater sense, as an opportunity for us as an industry to improve understanding of and communication of the design and, and what will be the final output to the stakeholders and the users well in advance of actual construction. Um, not everyone's skilled in reading plans and so the 3D environment gives you a huge opportunity to, to explain what is going to be produced. With the side effects of that is to minimise late design changes, reduce rework and essentially reduce weight. A virtual walkthrough of a, of a model can reduce the need and requirement for prototypes to be physically built, which if they don't need to be built, saves money, saves time, saves the materials that go into that. I mean, and it also represents a huge opportunity for the operational efficiencies and the environmental benefits that can go along with understanding and monitoring a, a building in that digital environment. And that's all part of a bigger picture. And Colleen approached BIM from a similar approach. Other than the obvious acronym, you know, the, 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 the production of the model, the process used to create the model, then information modelling, then information management, the strategy actually used to manage the model. Or I really liked um, your note, Nathan, in the first episode, better information management. But levering off what Tracy had said, for us as QSs, BIM is all about that rich, intelligent, structured, standardized information. It's about building confidence. It's about filling the gap. It's about trusting our capabilities and in our quantities and ultimately building trust in the model itself. And this is all tied together and combined with heavy collaboration. Episode 19, our last, our last interview with a guest in James Cheeseright from Honeywell. And rather fitting, I think, that we closed out the whole series over the, this year with um, the digital transition. James talked about the technology and processes that he's using with his team at Honeywell to come up with methodologies to use preventive maintenance to reduce the life cycle costs of buildings and preserve that asset for even longer and being able to hand over the assets back to government after their 20 to 25 years uh, being held in PPP format. And I think there's a lot to learn from that in terms of if companies are embracing these technologies to do this, it demonstrates why it should happen. This is what BIM means to James. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's Tam. It's <laughs> actually a, hard, a harder question. 
So BIM, the ultimate goal for BIM is for the asset owner and operator, um, but that's harder. It's it's harder to do than said, and and that and that's hopefully I've touched on that is because of scalability at the moment. So for us in TAM, it makes sense because of our scale and our longevity in in our engagement for those twenty five year type contracts. Yep. But for people who are engaged for five years on a contract, BIM still has great value if they can get it right. One of the things I, I am very cognizant of, though, is don't over-specify the BIM requirement for operation yeah. because it adds burden, and that burden ultimately adds cost. So that's why I'm, I keep talking about understand what you want as an outcome, and then you can understand what you need to specify into your BIM requirement. But for me... BIM ultimately will be the platform that we, and we've already done it and we're going to see more of it, is um, our graphical interface for getting to information and tying information together to the, to the platform, which is BIM will extract data out of, but you know, having that bi-directional conversation with the BIM and all the other platforms that help make a facility operate and give insight into how a facility operates will be where the BIM is important in the future. So as you can see, over the last 18 episodes, you've seen the different views that everyone has on what BIM means to them. The key things to take away from all this, though, is that although they're slightly different, they're all pretty much the same and they do follow the same line of, of information in terms of essentially creating a better benefit for asset owners and, and people within industry if people are actually embracing BIM. The exact theme for next year hasn't been resolved yet in terms of whether we continue with this high-level strategic approach or whether we start to delve into a little bit more detail in terms of putting a bit more meat on the bone of the conversations that have been had this year. But in any instance, if you feel that you'd love to come on and have a chat to me, feel free to reach out to me and we can can have a chat to see how uh, your story can be told as part of our series next year. And I look forward to uh, releasing another series of this podcast for you next year. Until then, good luck with your digital transition. For more information, or if you'd like to continue the discussion in the comments section, head over to our website, thedigitaltransition.com. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on our future podcasts. Digital transition.